From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Parents, grandparents, and others who care for children may have heard some scary news lately about uh, a polio-like disease that affects children. So we invited upstate pediatric infectious disease expert Yana Shaw to HealthLink to help us understand uh, this disease and how to protect our loved ones from it. Thank you for being here, Dr. Shaw. Good to be here, Amber. Now, it's called acute flaccid myelitis, AFM, um, but news reports have said it's similar to polio. So what, what exactly is it? Acute flaccid myelitis is an acute illness that manifests itself with uh, weakness, uh, particularly of limbs and arms. It can also present itself as a weakness of face. And some children, in some children, the weakness progresses into paralysis. So it does look like polio. Um, we probably need to remind, I mean, what is, what is polio? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so polio is um, infectious illness, is infectious conditions that used to be quite common um, before the vaccine was uh, developed. Um, it was an infection that in most uh, patients was totally asymptomatic. Essentially, most patients actually did not have any symptoms. But a small proportion of them ended up developing um, paralysis of arms or limbs or um, their lungs. Um, They die from the muscle that helps you breathe would end up being paralyzed. And um, those people would end up on ventilators. Um, Many of them died. And those were long-term effects that would stay with you long after, the, or forever, right? That's that's correct, yes. This was a lasting um, uh, uh, disability, um, and people would remain paralyzed for the rest of their lives. Now, di- didn't we get rid of polio? I mean, the, the vaccine mm-hmm. came out, and what, what decade are we talking about when the vaccine was available? So we have effective vaccine initially. It was uh, oral polio uh, that many of um, the older generations may remember. It was the sweet, you know, uh, sugar-like uh, liquid that we would get, including myself. Um, since then, we have switched to injectable uh, polio uh, vaccine, and the vaccine was extremely effective in essentially eradicating um, polio, which means we really don't have polio in Americas, and polio has been eliminated uh, from the nearly the rest part of the world, there are still few countries um, that have uh, polio, uh, particularly because of their uh, disrupted infrastructure. Um, um, But um, currently, there are only two countries that actually have still uh, polio. But the rest of the world is polio-free thanks to the vaccine. so mostly it's gone. Mostly it's not a threat for, but people still, uh, babies are still vaccinated. Yes, we still vaccinate because the vaccine is extremely safe and um, the risk of uh, contracting polio, although is really low, um, uh, especially in U.S. because we don't uh, see the virus circulating, it has not been eradicated worldwide. And if you were to travel to one of the two countries where they where polio is still in the in the community, mm-hmm. you'd be at risk if you weren't vaccinated, right? That's exactly the reason. Yeah. So in this case, you know, the the benefits outweigh the benefits of vaccinating outweigh the risk associated vaccinations, which are extremely low. Now, the polio vaccine does that not protect against this AFM that we're seeing? 
So, you know, polio vaccine does not uh, protect you against AFM because AFM is a condition. It's a neurological disease. Uh, we know what it looks like, but we really uh, don't know yet uh, what causes AFM in these recent outbreaks that we have seen since 2014. Um, you may remember in 2014 we have seen a widely circulated virus, what called or it is called EVD 68, enterovirus 68. The virus has spread across the country and um, caused primarily uh, uh, respiratory illness. It was cold-like virus. However, what uh, physicians have all and uh, public health uh, professionals noted that during that season we have seen a blip of polio-like illness. And um, among those uh, who had this um, illness, a lot of them had prior respiratory illness with documented EVD-68 infection. So this EVD enterovirus might be related to this, or we don't know for sure, but it... So we, uh, it appears to be temporally associated, which means it seems that pe children or people who contracted this infection, very small proportion of them will end up developing uh, para uh, weakness or paralysis, this AFM. Um, however, um, CDC researchers and epidemiologists, they have looked extensively into the spinal fluids and bodily fluids of people affected with AFM. And so far, they have not been able to confirm that the EVD-60A is the cause. And also, they have not been able to identify other causes of this illness. So that as of today, um, we know this condition exists, and it appears to come back maybe every other, every other uh, year since 2014 but we don't know its cause. So it's still a mystery. It remains a mystery, yes. Do we know who's most susceptible to it? Is so, it mostly children? So um, people who contracted EVD-68 were primarily children. They were uh, young uh, teens and um, infants, toddlers, um, school-age children. So it appears that the infection is um, symptomatic primarily in young, young people, um, possibly due to uh, lack of pre-existing immunity. Um, hmm. uh, if they have a, uh, they're otherwise healthy though? Yes, they're primarily healthy uh, children. Um, the virus um, uh, was particularly severe for children who had underlying asthma. Uh, so in 2014, uh, we had a number of children um, who had known asthma admitted to the hospital, including ICU, uh, with EVD-60, and they got very ill. Now, you mentioned how, you know, the paralysis, the weakness in the arms and legs, um, does it start that way, or are there other symptoms? Like, how would you know that um, this is affecting your child? So the AFM appears to come on uh, rather abruptly, and uh, most parents who brought their children to the hospital have brought them to the provide, you know, physician's attention rather um, quickly. Uh, so the disease itself uh, doesn't have any really special warning signs that would help you um, decide, okay, I need to go right away. 
um, this is what's happening. Um, uh, however, parents are typically very good about noticing if their child appears to be weak or not able to move uh, their face or arms or limbs. They tend to bring children uh, to the doctors very quickly, and those would be reasons why you would want them to bring their child to a doctor. Um, when you describe the symptoms, if I saw that in an you know an older person, I would be thinking you know stroke mm -hmm. with weakness and particularly in the face and all. But um, in a child, you would I mean it, mystifying. It sounds sounds like you wouldn't know what you know what was going on. Let me remind listeners, this is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Uh, I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Yana Shaw, an associate professor of pediatrics specializing in infectious disease. And we're talking about um, a polio-like disease that's affecting some children. It's called acute flaccid myelitis, or AFM. Um, do we have an idea of how many kids are affected in, in New York State or nationally? How big of an issue is this? Um, so, yeah, every year uh, CDC reports the number of cases of um, AFM because it is a condition that um, providers are required to, to report. And um, this year, so far, have, there have been over 200 cases reported. Um, as of this week, 80 of them were confirmed as true AFM. Uh, the number continues to evolve as states um, report uh, new suspected cases. CDC then uh, takes uh, the information and investigates um, uh, those neurological illnesses further to confirm or, or rule out AFM. Does it seem to peak in August and September? Roughly, or? Uh, yes, um, it does. Uh, so enterovirus um, or enteroviruses are a group of uh, family that circulates during summer and early fall. So it's not surprising that we see EVD 68 activity to um, take up uh, in uh, August and September. And similarly, the AFM has followed the same pattern. Can you talk to me about how AFM is treated, or first mm -hmm. of all, how it's diagnosed? If someone arrives at the hospital with a child that has these weakness uh, that came on suddenly, what's done for them? So um, in terms of treatment, um, the condition um, itself is difficult to treat um, because, uh, thankfully, um, there have not been tremendous amount of cases um, uh, we really don't have any uh, single effective treatment available for this condition. Numerous centers, um, including ours, have tried a variety of different treatment approaches, uh, suppressive you know, therapy, immunoglobulin replacement, steroids, um, supportive treatment alone, um, but there is no um, specific uh, medication or drug that we can give patients uh, to help them heal um, faster. Is it a, a reason to be hospitalized, though, or, or do they go home? Uh, so most of children, uh, most of the children who present with AFM uh, are hospitalized uh, because it's a condition that's uh, rather complicated, requires specialists 
infectious diseases like myself are involved, uh, neurologists are involved in the care hospitalists who help us to support those children, intensive care unit specialists who help children breathe and support their you know, hydration when needed. So this condition requires multidisciplinary uh, team approach uh, that's only available um, in tertiary care hospital like ours. Okay. And is it, um, do you have to have a blood test to diagnose it? Mm -hmm. So we do blood work and we do also imaging. Uh, we do a variety of different also neurological testing for those children. And um, the reason uh, being is first we want to rule out conditions that we know that cause this type of illness uh, in hope that we could treat it with drugs that we have. Um, um, but also we need those diagnostics to confirm uh, the condition because you were asking how is it diagnosed and AFM is primarily clinical diagnosis but it also require MRI which is magnetic resonance imaging findings um, in spinal cord or brainstem. Is it contagious? Uh, we don't believe it's contagious. So no. a parent wouldn't be at risk of getting it from their child, or a caregiver wouldn't mm -hmm. necessarily be at risk of getting it? So far, all the information we have, and this has been extensively studied, this is not contagious, and caregivers or siblings or household contacts are not at risk. So I want to ask about residual damage, and I, I didn't realize um, we've got some cases from back at 2014. How are those patients doing? Mm -hmm. Do they still have paralysis or weakness? Or do so, you recover from mm -hmm. this? Yeah, so sadly, most of the children do not recover. So the prognosis is not good, and it really appears like polio. Many of them will um, remain either weak or will remain paralyzed for um, a long time to come. Um, you know, however, I should say we do not uh, prospectively follow those children so I personally don't have you know information for you um, on all of those children that we have seen uh, here at Upstate so for sure there's going to be a variation in the degree of recovery but based on the current literature and data that's available the prognosis in general is poor. So right now it's a poor prognosis. Mm -hmm. Well um what advice do you have for families and how to protect their children from this? Mm. Well, the best uh, strategy is to protect yourself from infection. If this is a, um, you know, infectious conditions, hand washing alone is extremely efficient in um, preventing contracting uh, viruses that can cause this type of illness. And then um, whenever ill, stay away from, from crowds. If there are people who are sick around you, um, try to stay away from them as well. Um, so the sort of normal um, advice for mm -hmm. protecting against flu even, if, right, would apply to this as well? That w yes, the same recommendations and advice would apply. And so far there's not a vaccine, though, that will help guard against AFM. We don't have vaccine. Until we know exactly what's causing this condition, we will not be able to move forward, either with developing uh, medications or developing a vaccine. Well, this is good information, important information, and I appreciate you being here to share it. My guest has been uh, pediatric infectious disease expert Dr. Yana Shaw. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, 
HealthLink on Air.